Jono, Tommy, I'm going to give you a phrase, okay? And I want you to give me an example sentence that includes that phrase and puts it in context for what it means, okay? Jono, we're going to start with you. Time is on my side. Well, at least time is on my side, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, fine, great. Let's keep I'm it loose. I'm so glad John went first. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, okay, I thought I I'd start I'm with that. Okay, yeah. Right, Tommy, your turn. <laughs> okay. Turn back the hands of time. Turn back the hands of time and imagine you are a teenager again. Brilliant. Jono, back to you. A whale of a time. Ah, uh, when we got the inflatables out, just had a whale of a time. Was there an inflatable whale amongst oh. those? Who knows? Who knows? Lovely. Thank you, Johnny. Tommy, only time will tell. Oh, he's lost eight tasks. Can he go any further? Only time will tell. That's great. A little reference back to The Apprentice. And finally, it's one for me. And the phrase is time well spent. Got it. Investing in something of quality that will endure a lifetime can be time well spent. And so let me tell you about Marlowe Watch Company, creators of British-designed mechanical watches and sponsors of this podcast. With Marlowe, each collection of watches is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. And not only are they pleasing to the eye, they're reassuring to hold and to wear. Visit marlowwatchcompany.com to see for yourself. And if you're looking for reassurance elsewhere, you'll find the words quality and value come up time and again in independent online reviews. Marlowe Watch Company. Time well spent. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get going in earnest on this week's podcast, we've a special announcement to make. Um, Jono, over to you. Thank you, Robert. I just wanted to say that just recently I got my very first physical advanced copies of the new book of Sketch Relations called Big Ideas, Little Pictures. Come on. Explaining the world one sketch at a time. Um, And I have to say, it's really nice. But I would say that, obviously, I have to say that. But it is genuinely Can you hold it up again for us, please? Yeah, there we go. Because we have seen some of the copies and obviously some of the photos. That is... So it's... uh, Yeah, what you can't see that I'm holding up is about seven inches by seven so it's square but it's quite chunky yeah it's got like a lot of body to it and a a lovely cover illustration and it's packed full of a hundred and thirty plus sketches many from the archives that you probably haven't seen and a bunch of new ones in there especially made for the book now i have seen it and so as a totally impartial um member to this best friend or (laughs) i can say it is excellent it feels good it feels weighty it feels it feels like pure quality just oozing out of this book and when you when you flick through it there's color and there's there's intrigue on every single page so john if people were interested to find out more about this or even to put in a pre-order where would they go yeah it's dead easy it's at sketchbonations.com slash Book. and i should say that it is it's up for pre-order it's released in the u.s 9th of april and in the uk on 13th of may and other countries and other areas i'm trying as much as i can working with the publisher to get more distribution in all across the world australia's had a lot of calls for it and that for example so um but sketchmanations.com slash book there's a few little videos there's a little bit um some photos of it there so go check it out thank you
people say the devil is in the detail but I think like the diamonds are in the details like actually Ooh, nice. sometimes the details really matter I had a relationship where we went out canoeing and I I did get out on the sandbank in the middle of the estuary you had just, enough just, couldn't take just, it it just wasn't going well a few deep breaths I literally got out and had to have a bit of a moment same with like food and treats you know a nice little bit of chocolate every now and then oh that's nice cheesecake I really like cheesecake but if, if, if I was if having it every, every day, day yeah. pretty soon you'd lose the taste of it more is more faster is fitter bigger is better <laughs> don't be so naive Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. How did you get here? What? How did you get here? What do you mean? Like, what transport did I take? Or what route? How did you get here? Ah, do you mean in life? How did I get to this point in life where I'm talking to you here and now? How did you get here? How did you get here? Listen, I'm done with this, mate. I don't know who you are or what you're trying to do, but you're an idiot. No matter how you got here, we're very pleased that you are. I'm Rob Bell, came on the bus, and joining me on the podcast, energised from their tenacious tandem ride here, uphill and down dale, at the helm and in charge of navigation, it's John O'Hay, and sneakily watching YouTube clips of 1980s movie blunders on his phone at the rear, it's Tom Pellero. Good evening, my friends. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Good Very evening. well. Yeah. Ah, tandems. Tommy, uh, have you still got your tandem? You, I remember you had one years ago. Absolutely. I mean, you, you got it. Did you buy that for the specific reason I'm thinking of? Uh, so um, Sarah got it, borrowed it from a friend for our first, second mm. ever date. And then later she actually managed to, to buy it from the, from the guy because he was moving away. Uh, and then we did it up uh, and we actually rode away from our wedding on it, on our, on our wedding day. That's what I was church. thinking of. Yeah, it was incredible. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And you, great you, photos. Yeah. So it didn't have just married on yeah, the back. Yeah. A little a yeah. sign on the back. And uh, there was a bit of controversy, which I didn't really realise until later, that the night before, Sarah's mum, my, my wife's mum, had said, you can't, you can't, you definitely can't leave the wedding on that. And Sarah was adamant that we were. Uh, I didn't know about this at all. So they almost had a massive falling out the night before the wedding. Uh, and Sarah had to do loads of sort of maintenance on the bike to ensure that no oil went on her on her wedding dress on the day which was obviously what sarah's mum was most concerned about <laughs> have you still got it yeah you still yeah, got it and i've got to say it is a really good um new relationship tester when we've got friends coming right. over and they're sort of newly together or they've only been together about a year because it's it's quite difficult to ride it it requires quite a lot of coordination and the brakes are not kind of great so you've got to do it together and you've got to be in time and the, the sort of mini little arguments or sometimes really quite big arguments are are really quite enjoyable to watch <laughs> I, the can, canoes are similar aren't they you're like no <laughs> you're t- paddle right paddle right mm. no the other way uh, i what? am doing it no but you're steering but no you're going the wrong way yeah stressful I, you, you johnny you're absolutely right because i i had a relationship where we went out canoeing and i i did get out on the sandbank in the middle of the estuary it was just 
just just yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it take just it. wasn't going well. <laughs> really? You, le- you left I him there? I literally breaths. got out and had to have a bit of a moment because, like, this is not. This is. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is excellent. <laughs> that oh, is very a good. Long time ago, but you are right. Very good tests. Of course, we've we've all experienced a tandem, right? Or six a six man bike. Yes. Uh, for the charity thing we did a few years ago. Um, that was we rode a six-man bike. It was, yeah, from London to Amsterdam. Six six saddles all in a line. It was about, I don't know, five, six-metre-long bike. So Massive ne- thing. Nearly impossible to steer. Yeah. O- only Tom could yeah. do it. Mi- mini roundabouts were an absolute nightmare. And especially dangerous for the person at the back. Yeah. <laughs> you just get straight through them. Who... I think a couple of times the person at the back got clipped off by some kind of sign yeah. or post or something like that. Yeah. It's probably why they don't sell them commercially. <laughs> and the fact that where would you store it? Anyway. Anyway, yeah. I, I was reminded, though, um, as you said that, about a sketch I have in tandem because it was around that time when we did it uh, that I'd learned that in tandem – isn't anything to do with like two people. I guess I always thought it was like two people. I did, I yeah. Guess Is it not? That's always what you see. No, it, and it's, it actually means one in front of another. So you could have uh, a carriage pulled by two horses side by side as a pair, or you could have the horses in tandem and one in front of another, or you could have six people on a bike in, in tandem, tandem, one in front of another. Yeah. Oh, okay, nice. Okay. Learn something new every day. It's uh, an old one, but still going. Yeah, good. Well, look. Whatever journey you've been on to have ended up listening to this podcast will possibly be a story of adventure in itself. A long stream of lifestyle decisions, turns in the road, and let's not forget your friend of mine, Google Algorithms. And now that you are here, let's do it. Let's podcast. And I have to say that the boys did really well there because we had to do all of that chat again because I forgot to record the first one. <laughs> and it was organic and it was natural. We took it in different directions. Boys, well done. Apologies for my mistakes. Professionals. Let's podcast. <laughs> this week, we're tackling Jono's very fun sketch, actually, on the law of diminishing returns. Now, you should be able to see that sketch in front of you now on your device. Uh, But there's a link in the podcast description as well, just in case your podcast player has other ideas. Uh, You can find the whole of the back catalogue of Jono's sketches at sketchplanations.com. And if you'd like to send us a note about the podcast or anything we talk about within it now, or in fact, any of the previous episodes, you can wing your emails over to hello at sketchplanations.com. You'd have thought the second time round it'd have been on that a bit quicker. <laughs> I don't quite know um, when you're going to say it. I was quicker that time, but it's true. Uh, we'll be going through your messages from last week at the end of the podcast. Thank you, Tommy. Jono, I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway because it brings me a lot of joy to think about it again. Please, can you describe your sketch on the law of diminishing returns and tell us where your idea for the sketch came from? So the law of dimin- diminishing returns is, I, I know it from production processes which is typically that at some point doing more of one thing stops giving you the same amount of benefit it did when you started adding more of it and so i was trying to give a more concrete example that people would get and so the sketch is just a chart of a broth quality 
a number of cooks is something hopefully everybody can relate to with um, the old phrase, too many cooks spoil the broth. And so on the one hand, you've got this um, sole chef uh, cook, I should say, standing next to a giant vat of broth yes. and the quality is low. And then as you add cooks, the broth quality increases until uh, way over on the right hand side, you've got like uh, 12 cooks and you know half of them are just having a tea break and the other half are getting in each other's way and the broth quality has decreased again um so the idea is that as you start adding cooks it helps but it gradually starts to help less and less until you can often get to a point where as you add more of something it actually gets worse and i think there are a lot of examples of that i should say that i linked to it in the uh, text underneath but it comes from the idea comes from a sketch series, BBC sketch for a long time. It was a bit of a love it or hate it kind of series. Big Train is the name of the series, if you want to look it up. But one of them was, I just it's just brilliant every time I see it, um, which is somebody who's working in the broth department of a, of a factory and they're having a big seminar because somebody's up at the front and he's got a big whiteboard with a diagram a bit, a bit like this with all these chefs crowded around some broth and he's explaining to everybody, the vat of broth has too many broth makers, or cooks, if you will. And it's this surfeit of cooks that's having such a negative impact on the broth. (laughs) There's too many cooking staff, and it's ruining the product. (laughs) You'd think, wouldn't you, that adding more cooks would make it better. But no. (laughs) (laughs) It's making it worse. It's actually Simon Pegg in one of his uh, really early roles. Um, And he's sitting there. It's full of comedy acting genius there's a there's a few on youtube of, of mixed quality but some are hilarious and this one is this one is excellent yeah the main protagonist of the sketch has pre- previously been at the the cake factory right and he's been moved to the broth division because of his his smart alec quips <laughs> and and in and in the cakes getting in the cake division there was uh it was a positive feedback sales report wasn't it on uh, how their their slightly warmed up cakes were selling really well <laughs> being bought at a tremendous rate, selling like nobody's business, Go, selling like they're going out of fashion because we've warmed them up first. Well, you could say <laughs> selling like hotcakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll right. put I'll put a link in the podcast description to that sketch. It's well worth a watch, as are many other of Big Train sketches. Absolutely, f- it's probably funnier when Simon Pegg does. It? Yeah, well, you know, but yeah, it's hard to explain yeah. sketches, isn't it? Yeah, and that's and that's the genesis of the sketch, really. Yeah. And it works really well, right? Because it makes the point. Because everyone knows the expression "too many cooks for the broth," right? Exactly. But so, so it was in it was in production and production manufacturing that kind of thing that you first were thinking of, is it? Yeah, and and, and you know, and I like I see it in in my job and the design of products all the time. You know, like if you're doing uptime for software, for example, like if you don't want your site to go down, you can work on eliminating every last second of downtime and every last problem and every last bug. But the, the effort to go those last few mm. cases is sometimes huge. And there's a, there's a really nice uh, example, classic example, and I, I do have a sketch of this actually, which is that if you do five user tests, you typically find 85% of problems. Oh, okay. So if you, if you make a new design, do some tests, you'll keep finding problems if you keep showing it to more people. But actually, if you do five, you'll find 85% of the problems. Yeah. So go fix those and then go do it again if you want to. Yeah. And so as yeah, as you add more, you get that law of diminishing returns kicking in. And I think you always have those decisions of like, how much is good enough? And is it worth us going that extra mile? Like if you're trying to 
machine something to a certain precision or yeah. tolerance. Yeah. If you want to go that extra little bit, it might cost you a fortune mm-hmm. to go to that extra little bit. So how much is it worth it? In yeah. return, will you be getting from having a product of that much higher quality that's cost that much to produce? Is that going to come back to you in sales or in revenue? I think about this a lot with stereos, instead like a stereo in a car. So like obviously like listening to music on your phone is a bit unsatisfying, mm-hmm. right? It's quite tinny. And so it's much better to have a better speaker mm-hmm. and it's much better to have a, a really good speaker. And at some point you're like, this speaker costs twice as much as this other mega speaker mm-hmm. and I can't really hear the difference anymore. And it might be better, but yeah, for the for the cost and the effort that you're putting in, you can't hear the difference so well. So I, th- I think it comes up in yeah how people appreciate and perceive products and the benefit you're putting in so some people that might be exactly what worth it most people probably not yeah Tommy how do, how do you feel about the law of diminishing returns is it something you're conscious of as somebody who's in manufacturing and and making products and and, and running a business yeah absolutely yeah Dif- different facets of as it as you right? say as an inventor and someone who runs a small business I I, you know, I find it's just one big battle against this sort of law of diminishing returns, you know, in my in my own personal behavior, in my engineers behavior, in my graphics team. You know, we are trying to bring products to market of the kind of the latest professional grade beauty innovations at the best possible prices. And you just constantly Hmm. have to be drawing that line on that that perfectionism. Um, uh, you know, we, we, tomorrow we launch 10 new products and event at an event in central London. And every single one of those was just a constant, you know, okay, do we, do how much more time do we research on red lights? Or how many more red lights do we need to put on? How many, how much larger should the battery be to kind of have this? Well, are people going to be bothered between the difference of being able to use this product 10 times or 15 times before having to recharge it Mm. you know you we could have made it that someone could use it and never have to recharge it again but then it would be much bigger much more expensive and that people expect to have to recharge things and as john has just said we we had an example today of a label for a new bottle of gel polish remover which had probably been looked at by 10 people and one person replied saying oh do you think in the instructions we should add, you know, buff the nail first? And I was like, oh gosh, please, not another. But I was like, no, well, hang on. Actually, you're absolutely right. We do need to add those two words. Those are really important. So that was an example where an extra cook had helped improve the broth. Um, although the graphics lady who then had to change it was like, are you kidding me, Tom? I'm like, I agree. We've been through this a lot. But this change is worth making because it's a really important little detail. Uh, and so I, yes. I did get her to, to make that change. <laughs> it must be very hard with something that is undefined, like bringing a product to market and inventing and designing that product in the first place. Yes. It must be very hard to know when to stop. When is good enough? Because yeah. it's, you know, I think some people suffer from the kind of this desire for perfectionism yes. the whole time but you know at some point you know what is perfect you know it, try and embrace the ethos that you know not everything that you do has to be perfect you know it can be good enough and and maybe so i very vividly remember um a teacher telling me when i was 11 he was a sort of extra english teacher he was like tom you're a perfectionist and a dyslexic that they're, they're just you you can't be both 
and you will always be dyslexic. So you're just going to have to try and work out your level of perfectionism. And actually, at age 11, that was a really important and really helpful lesson to learn. Um, yeah, I can imagine. And, and as you say, you know, I employ these brilliant engineers and they will carry on researching into something forever. Um, but as a result, I also have to employ some amazing sort of business people to help me kind of, as you say, draw that line of when do we when do we stop going into this and when do we make sure we've got the right brilliant level of product but something that we can actually launch because we could spend another five years researching this what what we're talking about here is this is this a little bit 80 20 rule you know that 80 percent of the the success or the positive output from our actions and energies results from 20 percent of the input yeah 20 percent of the time or energy that you put in yeah is what's going to yield 80 percent of the of the result definitely but it's a very good hindsight rule i find you don't often sure. if you knew what the 80 20 was when you were doing it you wouldn't do yeah if you, if you knew where that threshold was but you yeah. often don't know it until after the fact um which is which is pretty tricky i must say i think lord sugar is a he's very good in this respect he is very good at identifying the areas that are really important to look at and where you can simplify things. Um, and there was a lovely example that's in his book when he first launched the Sky boxes. So I don't know if you know, like the reason Sky was able to launch is basically Amstrad made those first few boxes and the dishes that went outside yeah. of the houses. And there's a lovely story in his book where um, he's quite rude about uh, techie people. So he was like, these boffins had told me that the shape of this metal had to be this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it was going to cost 80 pounds for this perfect shape. And I was like, it's just a dish, right? So I found this bin lid maker in Birmingham who charged me <laughs> literally a pound for something that these boffins were telling me was, you know, there's high science, but it was going to cost 80 quid. And we put it on. And lo and behold, it worked perfectly. <laughs> Fired all the boffins. And, and so he was like, well, so therefore they were, Amstrad were able to bring out, you know, those wow. boxes at like 69 quid, I think they launched at, instead of like hundreds of quid, you know. But, you know, if you if you look at your graph, Jono, on the sketch, it's all about trying to, I guess, predict and analyse as best you can when you're at that point of optimization. I think it's not just where it might start getting worse. And there are definitely cases where, you know, you like you, you keep adding people to a team. Yes. And it and it does speed you up up to a point. And then after that it probably just gets in the way and Yep. Communication and, and becomes it, yeah. difficult and, and you have to you have to manage it and 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 it and, and it actually might get worse. But there are but it's also I think you're you're constantly having to try and make a trade off. Like, yeah, like we can make it better but it will be a bit better like i can fix another bug yeah but instead of fixing that bug we could live with a the odd problem mm. and we'll build something else which will have have more benefit and you always have to make those trade-offs because you're not getting like like fixing a bug that stops somebody like your your website turning on you know just crashes everything of course that's worth doing so you get loads of value for fixing that yeah but fixing something which affects you know, two percent of people who use this browser once a week. You're like, well, okay, well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we shouldn't. And and that's the way. Like, you're still getting some benefit by doing it. But so so, I, yeah. There's a point where it gets worse very often. But there's also points where you're like, well, 
Should we? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's just, it's always difficult yeah. to try and make those trades because there's no, yeah, it's, it's like it's all a bit of a grey area, you know. We've talked a lot about work so far, kind of work applications to this, but there, there are loads of different yeah. applications where I think it applies in maybe your family life, in your home life, in yeah. your kind of social life. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to when we were all revising for exams at university and I stayed up. I did some more nighter revision sessions because I, you know, left it all too late and obviously didn't know enough at the time. So you're cramming and you're cramming and you're cramming, which meant that you got into that exam and you're absolutely knackered. Surely it would have been better to have said, right, enough's enough. I'm going to get at least four hours sleep and go in a little bit fresh. <laughs> at least four Amazing. hours. Well, <laughs> that's how Robbie rolled. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's I think it's the same with sport as well. If you're training for a race or something, you know, if you're cramming in your training in the last two weeks, actually you're probably better off giving your body a really good rest so that you're going into the into the race fresh. I've I've definitely struggled with that before as well. Yeah, I, I can relate to to both of those. Like the the studying for exams, like you can do every single pass paper ever, and it might add one or two marks, yeah. but it might take you another two days of studying. So like, is that worth it? Mm. Um, and I think I think with with health as well, like yeah, doing it. Doing a little bit of exercise is a lot better than doing no exercise. Yes. Doing moderate exercise on a regular basis is really good. Uh, but doing tons of exercise every day... Knacker your joints. You know, you know, maybe it's good, but certainly not nearly as good as like getting off the sofa um, in the first place yeah. you know, in terms of your benefit, unless you're training for ultras or something. You don't need to do that much. Yeah. And then there's things like friendships, right? So mm. the how many... Friends, it's, I mean, we talked a little bit about this in the episode on Dunbar's law at the beginning of the series. But, you know, the more and more and more friends you have, how well do you get, how well do you really know any of them? Or the- I, I think about like how, how often you see people yeah. as well. So like, it's obviously not brilliant to see people once every two years. So once a year is better. Once every six months, probably better. Once every three months. But when you get down to like, I don't know, should I see somebody every day? You're probably getting... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting dim- diminishing returns. That... So maybe you could actually be better off if yeah. you saw each other a bit less. Gosh, it's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> it's tricky, all this yeah. stuff. What's the optimum amount to, yeah. to see people? I don't know. Boozing. as a <laughs> law of diminishing <laughs> returns. I mean, first, first couple of pints. Oh, lovely. I'm really on the up here. I'm having a great time. Four... I mean, who am I talking about here? Not, not me anymore. Not me anymore. That's for sure. For alcohol-free beverages, maybe Robert. Yeah. Right, but then when you've really started hitting the, the gone from the beers, the wine, and the spirits, I mean, then it's all downhill from there, isn't it? Well, just a sliding down that chart. And the tandem that you were talking about earlier, you know, how I was sitting yeah. on the back, uh, potentially watching videos. Um, I think we all found that there was a certain <laughs> maximum speed that you could go to. There really wasn't any point putting trying to put any more effort in because the massiveness well, of it, it didn't go any faster. That's how you justified it, Tommy. You, you, you use science yeah, to try and bamboozle wow, everybody on the bike. Everybody else is working really hard because Tommy's <laughs> not peddling. But yeah, so but I, was, I was looking into this a little bit, and historically, apparently, one of the earliest mentions of the law of diminishing returns um, was recorded in the mid-1700s. Um, uh, an economist called Jacques Turgot, or Turgot, um, and he was articulating what would become the law of diminishing returns in agriculture. And again, most of the early references that I've found were all about agriculture. Mm, yeah. Um, so, you know, with the same amount of land, 
um, you're employing more and more people to come and work on it, and at a point, doesn't make any difference. Those um, those returns drop. Yeah, drop off. But the same about like fertilization, like if adding fertilizer, like obviously, yeah. obviously adding a bit really helps, and adding a good amount really really helps. But then beyond some point, it starts to like actually just wash off mm. and doesn't get get taken up by the plants at all. You know that kind of thing. So I think you get that with fertilization as well. Yeah. What about holidays? So how many holidays do you have a year, roughly? Two? Two main holidays? It depends what you call a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what if every day was a holiday? You wouldn't get the benefit anymore, would you? Same with like food and treats, you know? A nice little bit of chocolate every now and then. Yeah. Ooh, that's nice. Really? What if you started having loads cheesecake. of... Cheesecake. I really like cheesecake, but... If you had it every yeah. day... If I was having it every you'd day... You'd lose the taste of it. Pretty soon. Um, Jono, I recently yeah. came up with one in the shower that I thought you might quite like, um, because it's environmental as well, <laughs> okay. in the fact that I've started when I have the shower, rather than... Because I used to always get in the shower and put it on full power. And you'd sit there in full power. And I was like, actually, you know, with gas prices, global warming... So I started just having my shower to about half. And I was finding it wasn't... There was a lot uh, less yeah. water coming out... But actually, I found I could get all the way down to at least half the power and sometimes a bit less and almost not really notice the difference. Like, I'm that's with, really right, nice. Tommy, this, this makes perfect sense, right? If you go full power in a shower, yeah. right, I'm, I, I deem myself a bit of a shower expert. I you are. Love showers. You are. <laughs> um, if you go full power in a shower, most of it just bounces off you, yeah. right? And it just it ba- hits you at such a force that it bounces off and sprays the walls. And so it's the walls who are getting most of the heat yeah. and the energy and the and the soothing of the hot water. So come in halfway, and then it, it not not a dribble, you know, a nice, you can feel there's some force behind it, but it's not going to spray off everywhere, and it's actually going to stick to you and run down. Yeah, that's nice, that's where you... Maybe a little bit of heat. power at the beginning, a little bit at the end, just to, you know, but treat treat yourself with the full power at some points, but yeah. 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 Shower We're not animals. Doing, missing out on all these well, yeah, potential exactly. improvements. But, but the natural instinct is you get in a shower and you just flick it to what you think is on, the sort of binary off or on. But actually, there's that whole spectrum in between. I, I see the spectrum mm. and I like to enjoy variety <laughs> within the spectrum. Within on that, that note, I'm going to turn the brightness of my track. screen down a bit as well. <laughs> does it make that much yeah. difference being that well, bright? Does it? Diminishing returns. Yeah. It's almost dazzling. Turn He's it being blind. Turn it down a bit. <laughs> Tom's going to go around the house just turning everything down. Dimmers, just turn it. Law of diminishing returns, sir. I'm turning the lights lights. (laughs) I I did did think about that, actually. I was trying to think about when diminishing returns might be a problem. And I was thinking about tidying and when you might have differences (laughs) in perception as to how tidy is tidy enough. Yes. So you might stop and go, well, I could tidy that last bit, but this is fine and somebody mm-hmm. else might go this is still not fine and if we tidy that yes. it would be much better <laughs> and yes. you think it would just be a little bit better and uh yeah that yeah. might lead to arguments this is did i this is interesting did I ever, yes so it's a yeah i've got sorry it's a difference in interpretation of of where that peak point is yes and so when sarah and i 10 years ago decided to move in together my first rule is that we must get a cleaner because I knew that my level of it's clean enough would be very different to her level of what 
cleaners and so therefore i'd always end up getting in trouble you know for the shower for example i think i would probably well I'm, i was i wasn't going to ask which way that went yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to leave that ambiguous no no, it's good to learn each other's levels on these things, I've found. Can I give you guys another little factet? Mm. So apparently Henry Ford of Ford Motor Vehicles uh, ran a lot of productivity experiments to determine how to get the highest value out of his production lines and his employees. And um, in an interview in 1926, Henry Ford concluded that 40 hours a week was the optimum number of hours for his employees on the production lines mm-hmm. finding that you know when people work more than 40 hours their their work put their output sorry their per employee word. their work put how much work you know have you mean? done today <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah loads um their output starts to decline I, I was reminded when you were when you were talking about that sort of study there was around um there's this chap called taylor and to taylorism was like the optimization of production lines down to like timing everybody's individual steps. How long does it take you to move this part from here to here? And then he would go around and treat people like cogs in a machine, literally. I've seen some studies about temperature and productivity in offices. And interestingly, I remember it, it said basically like the lower the temperature in the office, the more the productivity goes up. And and I just remember that in the study they didn't find they didn't find it leveling off. It's just that you kept lowering the temperature in the office and it kept it kept on going up. Obviously they didn't, you know, start testing at zero degrees or anything like that. Yeah. You, you would imagine it was probably going to level off at some point. At some point, definitely levels yeah. off. Do you think it helps us live a happier life if we're conscious of the law of diminishing returns in stuff that we do? And try and figure ways to to game it. Definitely. To kind of know the optimum. Definitely. I think life what? is a big experiment to try and find the kind of optimums of certain different things. Um, the optimums of when to speak and when not to, for example. Being being happy with what you've got is a good is a good recipe. There, yeah. there are studies on how money affects happiness, and I think that's like a real case of diminishing Ooh. returns. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good That's one. Really good. So you can imagine if you've if your income is really low, let's say an extra ten thousand dollars a year makes a huge difference in getting your you know basic necessities yes. of life covered, right? Yeah. You know, having a having a house, a place to live, and being able to buy the food and stuff. As you go up, you can imagine that going from you know let's say thirty k to thirty to fifty. Okay, probably also makes a difference, but then it starts to sort of slow down this effect. And it's not to say that this is, to my understanding, definitely like wealthier people people are happier. But if you add an extra ten thousand pounds to a low level of income, it makes a big difference in your happiness. If you add an extra ten thousand, you're already earning one hundred and twenty. Then it doesn't make much of a difference, yeah. and so it's sort of it, you get diminishing returns there as well. I think as it levels off, but you know, people might think, oh, well, I need to win the lottery, and I need to have this, you know, not just this house, but a bigger house, a much bigger house, and will it actually make you happier? Probably not, mm. or not very much happier. So where where do you think it doesn't hold true? Where do you, do you think there, there are any aspects of life or areas where this law doesn't kick in? diminishing returns it's a good i was thinking along along the lines like like 
perfecting a, a skill if you want to be a really highly skilled musician or woodworker or something olympic athlete is there enough time in one's life to have truly perfected it yeah, olympic athlete yeah to be the very very best at something you have to go all in absolutely everything minutiae details in your training regime and, and everything that you prepare with i was thinking it's possible to it's possible to make a a business where the like the 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 raison d'etre or the the mission of your business is you're selling a story about being the very best yeah and and you can charge disproportionately large amounts for yeah that. And to some degree to some degree i think like apple do that kind of stuff right like you can buy a laptop for 600 pounds but if you want to buy an apple one they're going to charge you two and a half thousand or something yeah and it's better how much better well you have that perception that it's really oh, airpods i struggle with i struggle with airpods you know they're a little bit they're a bit better <laughs> probably than a lot of other wireless earbuds yeah but they can charge twice as much for them and i think you you perhaps you mark it on the basis that we are that much better and you and you need this yeah. and it makes you want it so maybe there's something there as yeah. well like luxury goods luxury goods like wine and whiskey and and those sort of things you feel are very much in that similar field johnny there is no top limit everything just keeps getting pushed 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 potentially and that's sort of what you're selling and that's your mo yeah Yeah. that's the old veblen goods yeah yeah it is yeah (laughs) i do often wonder about parenting and and that and yes, there is diminishing returns in terms of how much time and how much quality of time. But someone did very wisely say to me once, you know, kids actually just want you around as much as possible. Like they just really love being mm. close to you, being with you at the earlier ages, certainly. Um, and so I do try and do that as much as I possibly can. There must be a diminishing returns, but I think kids would happily have you around more and more and more, certainly at the younger ages. Yeah, I was going to say, wait till they turn to teenagers. That's possibly where you see the diminishing return. (laughs) People say the devil is in the detail, but I think like the diamonds are in the details. Like actually, sometimes the details really matter. Mm. And there's a sketch, which I really like, which is this poem, For Want of a Nail. And I don't know if you know it, but I'll read it out because it's just so obvious once you hear it. And so the poem, poem goes, For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe... The horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. Uh, and all for want of a nail. Uh, and that starts to mess with your head, doesn't it? When you're when you're yeah. doing diminishing returns and then somebody comes up with something <laughs> right at the end. Yeah. And you know, that could be the nail that yeah. fixes the shoe, which helps the horse, which keeps the rider, which wins the battle, which... Yeah. Keeps the kingdom. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. on that example, for the last uh, six weeks, I've been experimenting with different magnet strengths um, because the magnet has not been holding on this zoom mirror correctly on a product. And we've literally spent six weeks researching into magnet strengths and configuration of because we know that if you put something on, you want it to stay. You don't want it slipping. But oh my, oh my gosh! But we, we know we've got to get it right it's hugely diminishing returns but it has to be perfect in this example or, or is it is it is it like uh is it like a step like it's not it's not good enough and then 
is yeah. good enough. And you don't have like a gradual thing in that case. Um, anyway, as I'm wondering about like, yeah, should I do that final edit or something? I also yes. have in the back of my mind for want of a nail. Oh, no. Oh. And it's very hard to know. It, it's impossible to know without hindsight, which is the right thing to yeah. do. Do you go 80-20 law of diminishing or do you go, no, it's actually worth it this time? Yeah. For that matter, you've got the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And you've got tipping points. Yeah. If you get just that one more follower or one more person yeah. to buy it, maybe it will tip it over Something to start rolling by itself. Ugh, mm. Chicken and egg things, you know, Ugh, difficult. Ugh. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> so I think there's also a big example in our podcast recording. We tend to sit here talking for between 35 and an hour and 35 sometimes. And then Rob, you amazingly edit it down to a, a 30 minute. And I slightly was wonder what did he cut out and what did he miss? But I think we could carry on talking for another three days and probably come up with some more examples, but it wouldn't, you wouldn't let it be longer than half an hour because our listeners probably don't want to listen to half an hour. They've had enough and just the perfect <laughs> amount. What a great way to round us off, Tommy. Thank you very much. AOB, any other business on the law of diminishing returns? Oh, I do have one that, that might make it through the edit, which would be ironic in the fact that... So I always get invited to the live filming of the final episode of The Apprentice. And they sort of twig me nice. before saying, you know, and at the end, we might come to you and ask for it, ask you a quick question. So I'm there sort of for four hours watching this, thinking that they might ask me a little question at the end, which given I'm not on telly that much anymore, kind of is quite a big deal. And possibly I'm trying trying to get illegally a plug about my brand onto onto the BBC and I and I sit there but I know that if I talk for more than about 10 seconds they'll just cut it because they don't have more than that much time for me in a thing mm. but also yeah. you want to say a lot and whenever I speak too long it gets cut if I create a nice little quick short segment it might get through but there's that's a lovely example. Thank you very much, boys. The law of diminishing returns. And as with so many topics that we chat about on this podcast, it's one of those things in life that's just everywhere, right? You know, it's, it's all around us all the time. Um, sometimes we're probably conscious of it and other times less so. Uh, but it's definitely a thing. Of course it is. John has done a sketch on it. It must be. <laughs> it must be. Uh, if you have some examples in your lives where you've discovered that the law of diminishing returns has crept in, then let us know. Email us on hello at sketchplanations.com. And we'll be back with this week's postbag very shortly. But for now, Tommy, I am going to close out before the law comes after us with its truncheon and its handcuffs in hand. It weren't us, Gov. You'll never catch us. We're not going down. Go well. Stay well. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. Hello, welcome back. Uh, we've got time to go through just a few messages from last week's postbag. Um, as a reminder, last week we were talking about Smart Little People, the fun design tool as part of Triz. Um, so on Twitter, we've had a message from uh, Captain Karnak saying that colleagues that he works with scoffed when he raised Triz over 10 years ago at a robotics company. He says, however, I am a fan do you see how it could have been a difficult thing to introduce in companies where you've worked at that kind of company level to, to, to bring in a whole new way of, of thinking and a philosophy? I mean, when you put it like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's also, the, it, it's, I mean, you know, we did a, a, whole, a whole course on it and, and had people who are experts who taught us for years, which was brilliant. But mm. um, 
there's a lot of mixed stuff about it there's a bit of confusion about it it's also it doesn't have like a you know traditional roots for the story of like where it came from so it's you know it doesn't come out of you know oxford and cambridge and wherever um you know leading university and so yeah there's definitely some skepticism around using it but also a lot of sort of misinformation and people who don't really know much about it and Mm. so yeah that's natural i think this one made me laugh, John. I hope you don't mind me reading it out. Uh, it's a, a Twitter message from uh, well, a response on Twitter from Bobby Wildcard about the sketch of uh, smart little people, which you should check out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it says, sorry, but I don't get how the smart little people in the sketch are stopping a leak. In fact, I don't even get how it's a leak. It looks like they're forming a human bridge over some stakes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a point, you know, <laughs> did that one quite quick. Yeah, sorry about that. Do you, sketch Johnny, sketch, do you right? have a rule where you won't redo a sketch? Because <laughs> you must look at some of your early sketches and go, oh, I could not, do... Not because someone's commented on Twitter. Or cause you, but you must feel tempted <laughs> to. Yeah, and then, and, in, and in fact, for the for the book, I went back and we picked quite a few older ones and I did redo them, uh, uh, partly for consistency, but partly also to make them better. And partly because if you're going to do a book with something, you might as well <laughs> not just throw in something that you did in, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> you should do it properly. So uh, so I, I, have, I have redone some older ones, but it's a big project if I was to go back and redraw yeah. the whole lot. So no kidding. I'm not signing up for that in a hurry. Um, and then going back a couple of weeks, um, we've had a number of messages come in on the uh, on the road compilation episode which which i really enjoyed yeah. doing that one guys i really enjoyed recording it i really enjoyed editing it It was a lot of fun but uh friend of the podcast andre brown messaged on linkedin saying about the windscreen phenomena from uh, from that on the road episode and he suggests that lower drag cars equals more laminar flow equals less bug splatter does it make any difference though to the number plate well yeah so that that would be a good example and, and some of the studies were just measuring purely the number plate, I think, weren't they, which has stayed largely the same size. Yeah, and, and I think there was another study that I, I mentioned as well that talks about the fact that uh, older cars were boxier. It, it was proved that that didn't have uh, the, the effect you think it might, that Andre's suggesting. But one study does not uh, a, uh, a theory make. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Causation. Get <laughs> Tommy's face. <laughs> And on that bombshell, I'm going to round off by reminding everybody, all our listeners, that Jono has a book coming out. Um, it's coming out in the US, Jono, in April, is that right? Yeah, early April. And in the UK? Uh, in mid-May. And anywhere else in the world, we will wait to hear. Yeah, um, hopefully I will have news on that very soon. But um, look out for it. Big ideas, little pictures. Correct. Coming out soon guys thanks very much uh, thank you again listeners for all of your comments and feedback and stories keep them coming in hello at sketchplanations.com on the email or you can leave us comments or dms on social media thanks very much and we'll be back next week bye for now Bye-bye. bye All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com. <laughs>